entrepreneurs are the best kind of people to you know work for early stage small to medium sized businesses because they're willing to dive in with the owner with the founders and get their hands dirty and help grow the business because they have that entrepreneurship mindset Caleb uh, tell us tell us about you I was on your podcast um, you're, you're a podcast host, you're a business owner. Tell us all about you. Um, what is, it's the entrepreneurs podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's called everyday entrepreneurs. Uh, just That's comes funny. from the fact that I interview everyday employees about entrepreneurship, yeah. uh, which is super fun. Uh, talked with a lot of awesome people such as yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Um, okay. So there's a lot to kind of dive into, but the, but I kind of wanted to start the podcast off by just um, going over some like podcast, uh, you know, ideas. So if like for you, uh, everyday entrepreneurs, what made you want to start that podcast? Yeah. So I actually started podcasting uh, for a job I had like four years ago now mm-hmm. um, and interviewed athletes on that. And, uh, no and that was really cool because we, we interviewed uh, like top elite age group athletes in the sport of triathlon. And it was really fun to just hear their stories because they're like parents, they have real jobs and then they win Ironmans all over the world. And so that was like my first dive into podcasting, which is really cool. Yeah. And then, um, and then that made me realize how easy it is to start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then, so then when, uh, At the beginning of this year, I had been just curious about this concept of entrepreneurship because I had always, you know, followed entrepreneurs such as like Gary Vee or Dwayne Johnson or, you know, some of these really awesome entrepreneurs. And I never took the jump. And I was like, can I just learn entrepreneurship skills while working for a company? Because it provides, you know, some stability that way and just took a dive into this concept of entrepreneurship, messaged some friends on LinkedIn and was like, Hey, have you heard of this word entrepreneurship? What do you think about it? And <laughs> some had, some hadn't. And I was like, Hey, I think there's, there's something here. I'm not the only one thinking about entrepreneurship as yeah. a concept. And so that's, I was like, I'll just start a podcast chatting <laughs> with some really awesome people. Well, you know, what's funny is the first time I actually heard the term entrepreneur was on the podcast with Levi Lindsay. So he, I mean, and and that was before I had gone onto your podcast Mm -hmm. and before like we had connected and, you know, Levi Lindsay goes, you know, I'm kind of like an entrepreneur because Levi had his own business and now he's, you know, now he's kind of got his other like nonprofit that, that they're working on. Uh, we are mind, but it was interesting because when he said that, I was like, Oh yeah, that's true. Because, I didn't know what the word was. And it's kind of like one of those things where you're like, man, I didn't know what the word was, but I felt it because you're like, yeah. oh yeah, that's true. Like in sales, right? Is sales is very entrepreneur and entrepreneur, right? Like it's kind of the, the, these both worlds kind of thing. Cause you're learning how to like build a business. And anyway, we can talk more about this as, as the interview goes on, but <laughs> yeah, I never heard about it. Um, well, I never heard the word. And then when I heard the word, I was like, dude, that is crazy because a lot of people are and like, um, yep. You know, I think I heard Tom Bill, you say that there was a couple different kinds of 
people, right? There's like the visionaries and entrepreneurs. Then there's like the linchpins. And then there's the people who are just cool with working like a nine to five and going home. And like, there's nothing wrong with any of them, but like you have this weird entrepreneur and like, I would assign that to like a linchpin kind of thing. And so it's just funny how like there, there has to be each one of those types of people. And we just get in this rut of like saying some are better than others. And it's just very strange. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny because when you hear the word entrepreneur, it clicks. You're like, oh yeah, like you totally know what it is, even though yeah. <laughs> no one's explained it to you. You're like, yeah, that makes totally, total sense. Entrepreneur yeah. inside of a company. And, you know, we, we can't all be entrepreneurs. Like entrepreneurs still need people to work for them, to build their companies right. with them. And right. entrepreneurs are the best kind of people to, you know, work for early stage, small to medium sized businesses because they're willing to, dive in with the owner, with the founders and get their hands dirty and help grow the business because they have that entrepreneurship mindset. They just choose to not go out on their own. Yeah. Like work in a company. And, and uh, I think we talked about it when I joined your show about these weird definitions that we all hold of, of entrepreneur, but, but let's talk about this because you, you brought up this. So this is your second time doing kind of like an interview podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I like to write about is how to interview people. I'm like super fascinated with the science of asking questions. And so when you were interviewing high performing athletes, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the triathlon Mm -hmm. world, um, how did you come up with the questions that you would ask them? It was all about figuring out who they are as a person. So we would always do research myself and my co-host. We would dive into you know, their social media, we would have a pre call with them as well, just to get Mm -hmm. to know them. And questions we would ask there would be, you know, what motivates you when, you know, you got four hours of sleep and you need to do your five hour run and two hour bike or whatever it might be. (laughs) Um, Those are probably flipped, but (laughs) we would get to know them a little bit before having them on the podcast, because then we would know what questions to ask and know in advance. So then we could send them, Hey, these are the types of questions we'll probably talk about. And half the time we probably wouldn't get to all of them because we would just pull from what they're telling us, what stories are telling us. Kind of like layer and build upon those. Yeah. yeah, And you just dive deeper. Like, Oh, it's a really interesting story. Here's what I took from it. Let's dive deeper into, into that. So a lot of it comes from just knowing the person, but then also trying to extract what types of stories you can allow the guest to tell. Yeah. I think that's a really great point that you bring up is like asking a question that elicits more of a story response Mm -hmm. rather than a yes or no question, or even like, like a technical question, like how do you do this? Right. Because we like stories more. And so, but it's funny because I'm on both sides of the camp, right? Mm -hmm. You look at Larry King or excuse me, you look at like some of these, um, really great podcasters, interviewers, they do a lot of research. So like a person who does a lot of research that I really admire as an interviewer would be someone like David Letterman. Mm-hmm. Lots of research, really great questions that kind of come out of that. Um, but also his question, because he researched, he was able to ask like really difficult questions to like, you know, that, that everybody had on their mind. So I don't know if you ever watched the interview he did. Well, it's on Netflix. It's the interview he did with, um, with Jay-Z, you know, he asked Jay-Z some 
like pointed questions and jc kind of like you saw him like move around in his chair and kind of like anyway it was really it was really fun to watch though because you're like holy cow yeah that's a great question because that's something we've all been wondering but then you have on the opposite side which is people like larry king joe rogan kind of fits into this sometimes he does research sometimes he doesn't you know what i mean Um, but larry king never did research he would just let his people come on and then he'd be like whatever happens happens you know and and he was really good at like finding the groove really early on and so it's just interesting how all the different styles and I, and I don't know like what works and what doesn't work and but what but research worked for you the best then did you ever have a time where you went into an interview cold yeah yeah I def I definitely had one during that podcast and during this yeah. one too there have been yeah. ones where I just forgot and then I was like hey let's just do it off the cuff and it usually yeah. you, you'll you'll have a topic of a podcast, so you know generally what you'll be talking about. And so it's just letting the other person talk and then actually listening and then diving yeah. in and just being <laughs> like, All right, like I thought this was really cool. Tell me more about it. And it it can spur some interesting stories. Yeah. I think the hard part about asking questions for me is asking the questions that, because you have to, there's two sides to a question, right? There's the person you're asking the question to, and then the person listening to the question, Mm -hmm. which is like, and so you're kind of like, as an interviewer, you're kind of like the middle man in the sense that like the guest has to be really excited about the question that you're going to ask. Right. And the audience and, and either the audience has to feel like, oh, I didn't think about that good question. I'm going to listen or like, yes, I've been thinking about that great question. I want to listen. Right. Because but I, because I've had both where it's like a really interesting question for the person, but not an interesting question for the guests, vice versa. And then I've had ones where like I've just bombed questions. But, you know, whatever. It's all good. But anyway, how do you how do you navigate through those situations? Like, I guess. um yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I asked this, but it's just an interesting question, an interesting thought process of like, how do you figure out the right questions to ask? I think it comes down to who the podcast is for, because some some podcasts yeah, yeah, I've yeah, listened yeah. to where like their goal is actually a very selfish goal. Like I know someone who they bring on their ideal clients onto their podcasts and <laughs> want to just get to know them. So then, you know, they won't say yes to a meeting with them, but they'll say yes to a podcast. And so <laughs> right. it just, it just happens to be a good podcast that people listen to. Right. Well, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, you know, cause they're getting good stories or that one's marketing focused. So you have an audience of marketers that are just yeah. learning from really good marketers. Um, I think the, Figuring out the right questions to ask takes a lot of practice too. Like I'm on, I think I just recorded episode 32 of my podcast and I would say I'm not the best at asking good questions. You know, you're, you're well over episode 200. You may have learned from trial and error of like different questions to ask. And okay, that question probably wasn't the best one to ask at that point, you know? Well, and, and like, it's not what question you ask. It's like, it's really how you ask the question because I remember early on in my episodes because not everybody knows the people that I interview. Right. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some kind of introduction there. And I just remember kind of early on, like that was the first question and it was really bland. It was super, it was super (laughs) bland oatmeal question, dude. Like, all right, tell us about you. Right. And it was like, dude, no one's going to listen to that, even though they need to, 
You know what I'm saying? Because it was kind of like at the beginning of this, people would rather hear like a short intro from the host and then a more, and then a deeper like, who are you question from the guest. Mm. And uh, yeah, that one was a that one was a tough one though. What about you, man? Thirty two episodes is still a lot of episodes. <laughs> what 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 good questions? Are there questions that you ask every single time? Yeah, it usually I usually kick off every episode with just a bit of their career history, um, just yeah. to set up like what they actually do because I'm not specific to a to one business or to one industry type or anything like that. I've had you know. HR professionals to salespeople to marketers. So like just getting their career path is interesting. And I like asking that one too, because a lot of my guests are unknown. Most of my guests, it's actually their first time being on a podcast because they're just kind of your everyday employee. And so they're not used to the limelight. And so that (laughs) question just gets, you know, gets some knowledge out there. And then I always ask at the end of the podcast, uh, entrepreneurs that inspire them. Um, because like we all we all follow some type of entrepreneur, whether we <laughs> want to admit it or not. And entrepreneurs, sure. I feel, have a s- reason for following those entrepreneurs because they are trying to learn skills from them. They're trying to find inspiration as an entrepreneur. So, yeah, no, it are- makes a lot of sense. I, I like that. I think having a good set of like go to questions because, man, um, have you experienced this? Because I used to experience it quite a bit. Um, people who just like. Uh, Cause a really good question can, can go so far, but if somebody like doesn't want to answer it, it's still a tough question, you know, yeah. and I've had people who've never been on a podcast before and that, and those are, I mean, it can be really, really good or it can be really, really tough. And so like, that's where good questions come in, which is like, how do I take somebody who's not comfortable in front of a mic? And I had, and I had this experience too. when like, I would put people in front of like, we would sit down in front of like, you know, cause my live setup, we got cameras in your face. There's three cameras. There's the <laughs> mics right in your face. Like, you know, it's very yeah. close quarters. Right. And man, I just see some people freeze up, but then having that like conversation and those questions kind of loosens people up. Have you ever had to just like, have you ever gotten to a point in area where you just had to like dig? You're like, Oh shoot, this isn't going well. <laughs> I had one or I did have to ask like kind of the same question like three different times. I just had to re <laughs> it, it, you can't tell that it's the same question, but if you take a moment Good to point. think like, what is he actually asking here? It is the same question. It's just reframed a few different ways. Yeah. To get um, the same, to get an answer. Right. Yeah. To yeah. Dig, Cause yeah, to dig. Yeah. He, he, he yeah. you know, it would be like a one sentence answer. And it's like, all right, like let's, let's get more. Like this is kind <laughs> of what I'm talking about here. Let's get some more. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I like to make my podcast very conversational so it doesn't feel like an interview. And so it just feels like you're hopping on a call, getting to know someone that's geared yeah. towards this topic of entrepreneurship. Um, and I, I feel like that helps where it's mm-hmm. more conversational in nature, uh, not so much interviewees. And having a pre-call beforehand lets them know how your communication style is as well. So you have like yeah, I think that pre-call beforehand and it makes it a lot more relaxed. Like, Hey, like this is just how I talk and this is how it is and this is how it will be. And they either accept to go on the podcast or not because they don't <laughs> like you. I haven't had that happen yet, but you know, it, it could happen. 
<laughs> yeah, I've had the I've had the opposite happen where we where somebody looks good on paper and then you do a pre call interview and you're like, ooh, I know about that dog. Yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah, I had one guy tell me that he could that he was like really early on in my podcast that he could like cure cancer or something like that. And I was like, nah, I'm not trying to get canceled. "Mm, I'm not trying to get canceled before I get big, man. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I was like, ah, how about we wait on this one? And then anyway, it was a hard conversation because I try not to leave people in the dark, but anyway, what do you look for in a guest when they're coming on your show? Ooh. Um, I'm super active on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. So usually that's a place where I start. I just go look at them on LinkedIn. Are they active there? Because then I can get a feel for how they are as a person in like a business sense. Um, I have had quite a few of my guests have been referrals as well. Uh, I've done a few Mm -hmm. polls of like, hey, do you know an entrepreneur? I'd love to have him on my podcast. And then people I've recommended others in their organization were like, yeah, this person totally makes a difference. I see them as an entrepreneur inside of this organization. And then... You know, I I have them on the show. Um, That's probably been the, those have been the biggest two ways of getting guests or the referrals because Mm -hmm. it is very specific as well as just doing a little bit of research on them. Like if they're posting about their own topics and their own thoughts, that's usually a pretty good indicator of them being slightly innovative at their company and presenting their own thoughts. Uh, Or I'll look at like their career history and just be like, okay, have they been at the same company for 10 years and had the same position? You know, they, they may be clock in clock out do the work, which is totally fine. Or have they had different companies, different positions, or have they grown rapidly? Or I'll also look at, do they have side hustles listed on their LinkedIn? And I've had a few guests where, like I had one guest who posted, uh, you know, my side hustles make me a better employee at my job. And I was like, hey, entrepreneur, let's chat. It was a great episode. (laughs) How did that conversation go? I'm I'm curious about that conversation, man. Did they? they, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the whole side hustle along with your main hustle and like making your side hustle known. We talked about that. Yeah. When I yeah, came on the show. Yeah. So like it, it was great. Uh, finding a culture that supports side hustles is the best way to feed an entrepreneur soul. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's the best way to do it because they, as long as you have clear guidelines of, Hey, as long as it doesn't conflict, like you're not stealing clients from us, like, yeah, right. have at it. And right. the best way to learn a new skill is by doing it. And if you aren't able to do that in your main job, then having a side hustle where you can make a little bit of money doesn't have to be a ton. It doesn't have to take over your main job, although some do. Uh, yeah, that allows you to build those skills, and they can come back to your primary job and be like, "Hey, here's what I learned. Here's the tests I ran. Can I experiment with these projects?" And if you have a good manager, most of the time the answer will be yes. Yeah, I like that. It's always just this cat. I feel like it's just like sometimes a cat and mouse game mm-hmm. where it's like, if I tell you, so did, did we talk about books on the podcast we did? I can't remember. We, I think we touched a little on bit, books. A little yeah. bit? Yeah. Well, okay. So I get a lot of heat for reading this book, but it's one of my favorites, so I don't really care. <laughs> um, but have you read The 48 Laws of Power? I have not, Robert but, Green? You, but you mentioned it on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because it's tough, dude. Because yeah. so Robert Green r- writes this book, 48 laws of power. And in the beginning, he's like, look, I'm not, 
I'm not saying that this is that any of these are like admirable or, you know, commendable, but he's just saying he, so he says in the book at the beginning that he's like, this is just how the world works. I'm just telling you how it works so that you can judge for yourself in certain situations. And so Mm -hmm. one of those, one of those first laws of power is never outshine your master, which is like to say you never like, you don't want to be the center of attention when you're not so like almost when you're not supposed to be right. And somebody's going to listen to my podcast. That's why I chose to get further on my podcast because <laughs> nobody, somebody can, somebody can be like, Dalton's a crazy, not listen to my podcast. I don't care. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And so like, yeah. I always struggled with like the balance of like telling somebody you have a side hustle and then making sure, because you know, what's crazy too, though. Check this out it happened to me like that law is real. And I know it's real because it happened to me a few times. And so the answer is right. That wasn't the right culture. I dodged a bullet and that's all true, but it's also the inverse of that's also true in the sense that like, you know, I would tell people like, yeah, I coach salespeople in the retail space. And then, and then we would get in this ego pissing contest and then I didn't get the job you know what I mean? because yeah, like I, they didn't want to feel like that. Or like the question that I had to start rephrasing was the question like in an interview, which was like, where do you see your, like, what are your career goals? Mm-hmm. What are your career plans? Cause I used to say like, Hey, I want to manage people. Like one day I want to be where you are, Caleb. I want to be a manager. And then the next day I'd get an email that was like, Hey, you're awesome, but we're not going to choose you as a candidate. <laughs> and that happened to me three or four times. And again, mm-hmm. I dodged a bullet, blah, 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 blah. But it's also, you want to give yourself the highest chances of winning. Right. So I had to change up the question, man. It was the answer. This is a very strange, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it is super. So I've had the experience where I, not because of a side hustle, but I, I was, my entrepreneurship spirit was spreading in the organization. I was learning from different organizations and then all of a sudden people <laughs> were coming to me for advice and not my manager and my manager really hated that. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, dude. there was, there was some, definitely some animosity there. And it, it was a rough culture that was brewing just in my own team. But then once that manager left and a new one stepped in, who was all about that, like he stepped in, in our first interview, he was like, Caleb, I'm looking forward to the moment where I'm working for you. And I was like, yeah. huh? Okay. That's a different way of thinking about it. Like, a manager saying, yeah, I'm super excited <laughs> because you're, you are awesome and you're going to be my boss someday. Like when your manager says that, yeah. then that means, okay, I have the culture and the ability to test things out, to learn and to grow. Yeah. And my manager is going to be in my corner for me. Yeah. And that, and see, that's the good thing, right? Like when you find those people, you definitely can. And it's just, it's just funky. Yeah. How, how it's just how you play the games, right? Because I've had managers like that too. Like, look, one day we're going to, one, one day we're going to be in the same shoes or whatever, because it's also that fine line when you're a leader, right? Like when you're a leader, you know, the sign, one of the signs of a great leader is their team still winning after they leave. Yep. Like you actually built character in, in a team versus like you were the only reason you want cuz like that's also not like a good salesperson right like right. a good salesperson on the team helps lifts everybody like a a bad salesperson like i've been with salespeople who are like 
you know, top gun salespeople, but they brought, they brought others down to make sure they got to the top. Mm -hmm. And that's like the exact opposite. You know what I mean? Um, which is just like, you know, again, it's just the, excuse me, this crazy idea that you got to just balance it. It's just this weird power balance. (laughs) But, uh, anyway, I don't know if you ever read the book, if you ever get a chance to read the book, it's a really, it, I mean, there's a reason that it's banned in prisons. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's on my list. I have this book list of books I want to read at what's some at the, point. What's at I the top of your list? Uh, well, so I don't have it prioritized, which is probably where I, I, I falter. But there are over 200 books on this list. <laughs> I just see okay. books. They get recommended. I'm like, oh, that seems interesting. I throw it on the list. It's yeah. just alphabetized right now. I take notes and like have it's in Notion. So it's really cool how it's built up. But oh, yeah, I'm I like not, that. I, I don't have a time limit on it because I don't want to stress myself out reading books. I'm just like, yeah, these are books that have been recommended or I've seen someone talk about that looks interesting. And yeah. then uh, I use Kindle with Libby, which Libby connects to your oh, yeah. library. And Card. You, yeah, you basically check out books. And so then I just go and see like, okay, what's available on Libby and run down my yeah. list. What seems interesting. And, uh, that's, that's how I, that's how I've Dude. read over 30 books so far this year as I just read through them and yeah, I'm like, all right, like, let's well, go. Do you have a book that really, uh, stood out to you this year? Um, like I mean, if you, like if you were going to recommend one book, if you, if you were going to recommend one book to somebody, doesn't matter what it is. Didn't matter. It, business, you know, because like I have a different book for business. You you only get to recommend one book. What what would it be? Uh, Atomic Habits. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Good like book. Atomic Habits. That was the first one. I read that book as part of like this virtual book club I joined because I wanted to get to know some people. And that's yeah. kind of what kicked off like, hey, I haven't read in years. I learned a lot from this book. Maybe I should start reading again. And that was kind of the first book I read that then got me on I this like path that. of, Hey, books have some good things in them. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and so I, yeah. I feel like that will probably be at the top of that list for a long time of just the number one book that I would recommend because it's so, it's so powerful because it's so applicable in so many situations mm-hmm. throughout life, business, whatever it might be. And it, it helped reinforce my way of looking at goals as well. I think what's funny about that. And you just said it right goals. So before I read atomic habits, I was really struggling because I was the sales trainer who was like, you know, you see it, it's all over LinkedIn. It really irritates me. This senior SDR got passed up for a promotion because the top guy said he didn't make enough phone calls, but he was at 162% of quota. And this is why phone calls shouldn't matter only your results matter. Okay. So my only problem with that is, okay, in that situation, you promote the guy. He's 160% of quota. Of course, give him a shot. But I also understand the flip side, right? Because I've been with ultra high performing salespeople who think they only need to make one call a day. (laughs) And by the way, dude, if you can make one phone call a day and hit 162% of quota, like good for you, man. But that's not the point though. The point is like these habits, right? Because one day... You're, you're a sale, you're in the sales game. Shit's going to hit the fan and one phone call a day isn't going to help you. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm so I, it's a balance for sure. It's a balance for sure. But I like that book because he brought that up. It's like, he's not, it's not about goals. It's about habits. Yeah. 
And it's about the habits that make you the person who who's like worthy and capable of hitting those goals. Right. I've, you, you I've, know, like, yeah, I've had managers that have this like assigned goals to me. I'm like, I can't control anything about this goal. Like there's right. nothing. It's I, a big one. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, I, I won't control the outcome here. And so then I have a conversation with them. I'm like, here are the things I can control. Can we set targets against these? Because then I feel like I'm actually making an impact instead of just at the end of the year being like, yep, we hit it or we didn't. And (laughs) there were no habits building up to it. And that that flipping the outlook on goals is so important because if you focus on things that you can control, you'll feel more in control (laughs) because you're focusing on those things. And when you have these ultra high performers who are great, by the way, and by the way, look, I've been a manager of ultra high performers. I've been an ultra high performer. And the thing with that is like, you have to have a unique conversation with them. Yeah. Because like, if I'm going to somebody and I'm like, and they, and they say to me, Hey, so-and-so doesn't have to do as many calls. Right. Um, the wrong answer is yeah, because he's better than you. (laughs) <laughs> or she's better than you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it yep. doesn't work like that. Like you cannot run a team like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I highly doubt there are some things that Tom Brady can do that other people can't do on his team. I'm sure. But I'm sure there are some things that he's still required to do no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Right. Like, and, and so obviously you have a unique conversation around that. With, with your high performance, but it's just always funny because for me in sales, like one of my hot takes was like, look, stop setting goals around what you can't control, like sales, right? Yep. Start focusing on building good habits around things you can control to get you in the right space so that you can knock those down when they happen. Right. And I got all sorts of heat, but it's just like, and then, and then they tell me these kinds of stories. And I'm like, yes. All right. But like, I suck at statistics and even I know that you take out outliers when you run in a regression test. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm, I, I got, <laughs> I was a 4.0, but I graduated with a 3.5 cause I could not get a B in statistics. But I know <laughs> that, that outliers don't count. Like you cannot count those when you're, when you're running, when you're, when you're trying to lead a team, yeah. Like, of course, somebody's going to be like super high and somebody's going to be super low, but like, where's, where's the middle and how do we keep those guys? Cause it's easier to make a B player, like a C player to a B player than a D player to a C player and a B player to an A player. Like mm. you just focus on these guys in the middle and you kind of run and that's how you kind of build your team. Right. Anyway, it's yeah. just, that's why I like atomic habits. It's a great book and it just reinforces all those points that like building good habits makes you the person you want to be over time. Mm-hmm. Now that's the Good key one. is over time. It doesn't yeah. happen tomorrow, which can be very frustrating. <laughs> right. But it's <laughs> if if you have a long game mindset, then the habits you're building today, you can think, what's the most impactful thing I can do today that if I repeat and build the habits of doing that, that I will be the person I want to be in five years. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. Cause it's like like uh and you know, I use this one too. It's like um so the worst, the worst health advice I ever got in my life was from one of the healthiest people I've ever known. He was an, he was an ultra track runner. Okay. He was very like super in shape, very in shape. And he, I was like, I was like, how do you stay healthy? And I'm not kidding you. This is what he said. He said, 
Dalton, just remember that if the oven's hot enough, anything burns. You see what I'm saying? Did you, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like the worst okay. health advice ever, right? Because okay. he like runs 40 miles a day. So of course he can eat five double cheeseburgers and not get fat and not have a problem <laughs> right. because he runs 40 miles a day. But listen, for me, I don't run 40 miles a day. I can't eat five double cheeseburgers and expect to like not yeah. it and have, and then not have adverse effects on my health. Right. So like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Healthiest yeah. dude I've ever met. Worst health advice I've ever gotten. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's crazy though. Cause it's just goes back to this thing. Well, like, Oh yeah, he's a winner. You let him do it every once. No. Cause one day it's going to catch up with you, dog. Yeah. And if you can't, and if you don't have the habits, like, you know, and, and I, and I don't know actually what he did and he was actually a really cool guy, but it was just, I just remember that experience. Entrepreneurs though, that's what you, that's what you got to figure out as an entrepreneur is like how to like navigate because you're in a unique position when you're, um, one of the top dogs at a company, right? Like how do you, uh, continue your, your career and how do you like navigate these critical conversations and all those things? I think it's, I, I think entrepreneur, I think entrepreneurship is a very interesting field to, to like study or be in or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It has been super interesting because number one, there's a lot of parallels with entrepreneurship, hence the word. Um, But number two, there's a lot of nuances on things you can't control as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Such as the company you work at, the culture you work at. There may be people listen to my podcast and like, Caleb, I can't do that in my company. And yeah. so understanding what those variables are and how to find the right company, the right culture, that's kind of like the first step. And then next is obviously growing as an entrepreneur. But if you don't have that, then it's how can you find that? In the meantime, you're going to want to leave the company because it can be very difficult. But mm-hmm. how can you make the most impact while you're learning? Um, can't remember exactly what book it was. I think it might've been work rules. Um, but basically it was saying you, if you are in a bad situation, learn as much as you possibly can on the company's dime while you're looking for a new job because yeah, they'll pay for your, like most companies have some sort of learning system or you're just learning on the company dime and you are saying, Hey, this will make me a better employee when you are, looking for a better environment to go employ those skills. Yeah, absolutely. I think every opportunity is a opportunity to learn. And most companies do have training budgets. They'll, yeah. they'll send you to something or like buy you a Udemy class or something like that, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like absolutely just take advantage as much as you can while you are, you know, on the hunt building relationships outside of work that then you can leverage to go find the right culture because you, it's very hard to be an entrepreneur when you aren't part of the right culture. Yeah, that's true. What what kind of oh man, and culture is such a big buzzword, <laughs> right? But like the yep. culture of like, um, I mean, and, and and so it's just also like very like ambiguous. You know what what's a good culture fit for me might not be a good culture fit for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you just got to find out what works, right? And by the way, that changes. Like for me, like early on in my career, man, I was I was all about <clears throat> you know, and and I guess I'm in one right now, like hyper growth you know, very high, high pressure, high stress, like got to get it done, you know? Um, but you know, I'm kind of seeing the more that I, that I, you know, I don't, I don't know, advance in my career or whatever. <laughs> um, 
that all of that is really fun. And you just look forward to the time when you can like sit back and like reap what you sow. You know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had, I had a, a very interesting, I think it was like a dinner um, during college. It was at the, it was a former Nike VP uh, who lives in Utah. Mm. We had it at his house and it was good chat, good presentation, all that. He took questions afterwards and I asked the question, like, how do you balance work and life? Like, you know, your VP status <laughs> at Nike that obviously took a lot of effort. And he looked at me and he's like, there's no such thing as balance. Like that doesn't exist because depending on the point you are in your life, your balance will shift. So as long as you can control the imbalance of your life, then you'll be, you'll be fine. He mm-hmm. said, you know, early on, you're going to be imbalanced towards school and your career early on because you are trying to make it. You are trying to, <laughs> uh, you know, plant all those seeds that you can reap later on. And then when you have a family, okay, you may be yeah. imbalanced more towards your family and you want something that's just a stable work environment that you can, you know, go to your kids' baseball games. Like that's <laughs> imbalanced towards your family. And then maybe later on when the kids are out of school, you might be imbalanced back towards work for a little bit. Like he's, he just said, as long as you are controlling that imbalance, then you can feel like you have balance. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. I heard it one time. I heard it put one time that, very similar balance, like balance didn't exist, but it was like a hundred percent of your attention at whatever you're working at at that time. Mm-hmm. So he, so they were just like, look, it doesn't exist, but you just need to be like a hundred percent in like intentional at whatever you're doing at that time. So that people feel like they're getting a hundred percent of you. Cause like the work-life balance thing, the, the thesis behind why that is so important is because people feel like, if I have a big project at work, but I'm stuck at the dinner table and I know the deadline's tomorrow, I'm not present at work yep. because I know that I have to go to dinner and I'm not present at dinner because I know I got this deadline, right? And so it's really like, you know, um, and I heard it, I read a book, I, I read business books every once, like every once in a while, but I really like um, philosophy books. Anyway, read Inner Engineering by the Sadhguru, by Sadhguru. Ooh, okay. And he talked about how, like he he talked about how mindfulness and being present was, was ridiculous. And he said, because the only thing that <laughs> exists in life is the present. So it's kind of like this counterintuitive argument where he's like, the past doesn't exist and the future doesn't exist. He's like, they're not real. And, and so, and I, okay, let me back up. I I'm paraphrasing this very poorly because I do understand <laughs> that like the past does have an effect on how we how we react in the present and the future and all these things. But, but the, the point of his, the point of his, uh, the, the, that section of the book was like being intentional about being right where you are and that right where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I read, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. I read 4,000 hours, which is a really, I love that book because it's like the antithesis to productivity. Um, which I yeah. love because, yeah. you know, productivity is like, wake up at 4am and do all this stuff. And <laughs> this that's what it awesome talked about as well is like, yeah, you, you're never going to be able to do everything you want to do. You're never going to be able to, you know, watch all the shows you want to, or listen to all the podcasts or all the stuff. So he's <laughs> like, what will be the most impactful today? And what will, what can you control that will create an impact today? Because today is what 
you have right now at this point. Like, right. That, what, what can you, how can you make the most impact right now with the action you're about to take? And that, I really like that aspect of it. Cause I was, I've been caught up in productivity stuff where I'm like, ah, oh, up at 4 a.m. Yeah, I'm so productive today. And I look back on the day, I'm like, I didn't do that much. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. You're like, I didn't, yeah, I've been there too. And it's like this weird hustle culture thing where it's like, yeah. it's, uh, it's very strange on how we do it. Because, right, like, um, who was it? Like, maybe it was Bill Gates or something like that. It was like, or Elon Musk is like, I try to do three of the most important things every day and then let everything mm-hmm. else go or whatever. Or, uh, one of my favorite stories, I don't know if it's true or not, but like Napoleon Bonaparte had the two week rule. So he wouldn't read his, he wouldn't read his mail for two weeks and the most, and the most urgent stuff would still be there after two weeks. And, (laughs) and the stuff that wasn't that important got resolved. (laughs) I was like, Oh shoot, dude. I don't know if, I don't know if that would work today, but I've, uh, I've known people who will go on vacation and they're out of office is I'm going to delete my inbox when I return. If it's important, email me again when I get back. (laughs) they will just straight up just say i'm not going to read your email and if it's still a thing then yeah i'll follow up on it when you email me when i return (laughs) that that's super that's super funny dude um i like that but yeah this yeah this um you know balance or whatever i agree like um what's funny is like we you know a lot of us like i work in sales i work with a lot of salespeople, and so the funny thing is is like salespeople will say that they work like 60 plus hours a week Mm-hmm. And it's true that we're on the clock 60 hours a week, mm-hmm. but like, homie, we're not working all 60 hours of that, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> I might be working at late at night. You might catch me at an eight o'clock phone call, but from like nine in the morning till five o'clock in the afternoon, I was like prospecting or doing something light, you know, or whatever. Right. And, and I'm not saying we're all lazy either. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, it's this idea that like be intentional. Like if you had eight hours to get, if you, um, what's that law? There's, there's some kind of law that's like, um, the, the activity will take however long you allot for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you allot, if you allot four hours to clean the bathroom, it'll take you four hours to clean the bathroom. But if you got to clean the bathroom in 30 minutes, like you'll figure out how to make it work. Right. And that's, that's it. Like, what if you only had eight hours to get everything done you needed to get done? And that's the, that's the messy part about ADHD. Mm. What I have, right? Like I heard someone, yeah, I heard someone say it's not attention deficit disorder. It's intention deficit disorder. Ooh. That's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> it's trippy. I, I can get with that. It's trippy. Like I, I'm like diagnosed. And, and so like, when I tell you that I will not do something until the day it's due or the hour that it's due, that's absolutely true. Drives my wife nuts. Uh, dude, I'm I'm editing my podcast that comes out Monday morning, Sunday night at like nine o'clock. Being yeah. like, oh crap, I gotta get this done. It's not gonna go out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like I have to be like my teachers, like I'll email like going through my MBA. Like I, they'll be like, Oh, we'll extend the deadline for you. And I'm like, no, actually, will you shorten it for me? <laughs> Yeah, because if I because if yeah because if you tell me that it's due on Sunday night at midnight, I'm gonna turn it in Sunday night at midnight. <laughs> but if you uh, say it's due Friday at nine a.m., it'll be done on Friday at nine a.m. Yep. And then yep. so and so then the question is like then then it begs the question like well why don't you do that for yourself? And ADHD is really trippy like that like 
we, I rely super heavy on external influences. Mm-hmm. Like if I write down like this is due this day, right? I'll be like, mm, yeah, but I know Same I can way. push it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I know like, I can push it. But I said that. And is it really due then? No. Yeah. Oh, this person told me it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally ADHD. And that's, that's me. So like, I know that my podcast is due on Tuesday at like 10 a.m. Because I set that, but people expect that from me. Yeah. You have I know I'll get a, listeners that are like, yeah. oh, we're, and if you don't do it, then it's, hey, it's, hey where's the, the episode? episode? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's true, man. It's very true. <laughs> so I, it, it's just, it's funny, how, but I do it. Um, I really appreciate this conversation. This was really fun. I know, I know we did, we hit on a lot of different things, but that's why so I like doing the podcast, man. Yeah. Um, but tell everybody where they can listen to everyday entrepreneurs, where they can follow you, boss. Yeah, it's on every podcast platform. Uh, most popular Spotify, Apple. I listen to podcasts on Spotify, so it's there. But mm-hmm. yeah, anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's just everyday intrapreneurs. Um, and then I am super active on LinkedIn. So you can find me there, just uh, Caleb Whittle. And if you have a problem spelling Whittle, it's like you whittle a piece of wood. Or whittle <laughs> something down, which I laugh at whenever someone uses that in a meeting. I just smile. And they're like, hey, yeah, if we can just whittle this down a little bit. <laughs> yes, I love I can. that, dude. <laughs> I love that, brother. Well, hey, thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you.